Welcome to Passion Life Church. We are continuing part two of a series that we called I Can Do Hard Things. And this actually came out of uh, Philippians chapter four, verse 13, that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And really the reason why we can do is because of Jesus, right? We can do because he did. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? You know, and so, you know, that just doesn't include the easy things. I love doing the easy things, but this is about doing the hard things things, the hard things that we have to do. Sometimes life is hard, right? Um, there was a, a time where I was in the hospital um, uh, recuperating, and I remember being in the hospital, and the nurse asked me, she says, uh, it's one of the questions they have to ask. They said, is anybody hurting you at home? And I'm like, hurting me at home? Life hurts. Come on, somebody, sometimes. I mean, you know, I'm like, life hurts, you know? And so, and, and life can be hard, but there are things in life that you must do. You've got to do the hard things. Can I hear a good amen today? And we've got to do the hard things so we can do the easy things. But here's the great news. As believers, as children of God, we don't have to collapse under the hard things. And most of the time, or not most of the time, but many times we will face difficulties. But how many of you know difficult doesn't mean impossible? And if it's an impossible situation, we have a God that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, would you say that with me? Say, I can. Come on, say it loud, I can. Do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, if you're watching online, come on, let's say it loud one more time. I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me. You know, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 12, verse 4. You know, in this series, what we're doing is we're sharing with you what we can do sometimes when we don't know what to do, or at times when you feel like, you just can't do anything. That, that's kind of what we're focusing on. And let me just give you a backdrop as you're turning to Acts chapter 12, verse 4. It's hard times for the church. Like, it, it's hard times for this early church. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the political and the religious spirits, which are normally opposed at this time, are united together against the church. And King Herod, there was three Herods in the Bible. There's grandpa, uh, father, and then son. And it seemed like they just grew more wicked each generation. They killed babies, and now they had killed James, who was one of the top three. Jesus's top three, Peter, James, and John. James was was killed, and he. Uh, the Bible says that they, they they killed him with a sword. Commentaries believe that they actually cut him into pieces because Herod was being used by the enemy uh, to persecute. And one uh, translation says harass the church, but it wasn't just Herod. It was actually the political people at that time that were joining together to to persecute the church. Now, let me just tell you that on top of all of that, if you read in Acts chapter 11, there was a famine. So the church was going through hard times. And now what happens is they caught Peter. They caught Peter and they're throwing him into prison. And so I want to talk today about, listen, when we go through hard times, here's one thing that we can do. We can pray right? Last week we talked about we can praise. Today I want to talk about we can pray. Have you found Acts chapter 12 verse 4? If not, that's okay. It's on the big Bible on the screen behind me. Let's read. It says, when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison, turning him over to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him in rotation through the night, plan, planning after the Passover to bring him out before the people for execution. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and pers- pers- persistent prayer for him was being made by by God, by the church. Let me say that again. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent and persistent prayer for him was being made to God by the church. I love the butts in the Bible because butts make a difference. Some of the butts in the Bible are little butts, and then there's big butts like this that really make a difference. They threw him in prison, but what did the church do? The church started praying. And did you know, my church family, that the most powerful people in a city or country are the people who know how to pray. 
They know how to pray. This is why the enemy works so hard to divide us so we don't come together and pray. This is why the enemy works so hard to distract you. Have you ever tried to pray and the phone has not ring all day, has not rung all day, people text you, whatever, but as soon as you start to pray, right? The phone goes off. Why? I mean, because you want to pray. Your kids haven't talked to you all morning, but then you open up your Bible, right? And all of a sudden they walk in, mama, daddy, hey, I'm praying, right? Why? Because the devil knows that there's power in our prayer. But here's why the enemy works so hard to divide us. Because when we come together as the church, no king, no government, no demonic power can stop a praying church and the power that is in the church that comes through prayer. Can I hear a good amen? Can you, can you tell I'm a lot more excited than you are about prayer? Because it's so powerful. And I think sometimes we don't think about how powerful it is when we're going through hard times. Let's look at verse six. It says, the very night before Herod was to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and cetrons, or whatever that word is. What? Yeah, whatever that word is. (laughs) So verse seven, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared beside him and a light Shown in a cell, the angel struck Peter's side and awakened him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Prepare yourself and strap on your sandals to get ready for whatever may happen. And he did so. Then the angel told him, Put on your robe and follow me. And Peter went out following the angel. And he did not realize that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a a vision. Peter actually thought he was having a dream. And when they had passed the first guard and the second, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. Of its own accord, it swung open for them and they went out and they went along one street at once the angel left him. Verse 11. When Peter came to his senses, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent an angel and has rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all of the Jewish people that were expect and what they were expecting to do to me. And when he realized what had happened, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many believers were gathered together and they were praying continually and had had been praying all night. And when he knocked at the door of the gate of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhonda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice, her joy, recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she failed to open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the front gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind, girlfriend. No, they didn't say that, but maybe that's how I think they said it in verse 15. They said to her, you are out of your mind, my friend, but she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, "Ah, it's, it's, it's his angel. But meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were all completely amazed. I am fascinated by this story, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Peter is thrown in prison. The church is going through a hard time. Their leader, who Peter had now become pivotal in the New Testament church, their, their leader, the person who was bringing, you know, actually there was miracles that were happening through Peter. He was helping the church move into the future. Now he was in prison. And I think many of us can come to a place even in our own life where we feel like we're in prison. We feel like there's some things that are happening. You know, the Bible says that Herod actually put 16 soldiers around Peter. He was bound with 16 soldiers. Let me say it this way. 16 problems, 16 circumstances, right? 16 tasks, uh, um, uh, 16 uh, traumas in his life that were all around him, right? That were trying to hold him down. How many of you know when the enemy assigns 16 problems, 16 circumstances, you better know that he knows that you have a purpose in your life. 
And so he's surrounded, he's bound, and the, the, gosh, the enemy would like for us to get down and to get hopeless. I think the enemy would love for us to believe that hoping is hopeless, that believing is useless, and that whatever, why even try anymore? Because you know what? It's just all worthless. And I think a lot of people feel that way coming out of 2020. They're like, why even believe anymore? It's just, it's just hopeless. I will tell you why we believe, because God does miracles and all things are possible to him that believes. That's why we, we believe. And so here he is in the midst of this prison. And here's what I love about this church. I love about this church that they didn't get apathetic. They didn't start feeling sorry for themselves. Somebody opened up their house. They got together and said, you know what? We're not going to quit. And we are going to pray that God is going to do something. And you know what I love is that prayer was their first response. It wasn't their last resort. And in the midst of the toughest time, here was their default. Their default was, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. You know, by our house, we have a lake and we like to walk a lot. Um, and, uh, so we were walking and we had some family over and my niece, I have a niece, her name is Vienna. And, uh, we were talking and, and she was just making small talk with her. And I appreciate that. I always appreciate when teenagers talk to me because a lot of times, you know, they're kind of in their own world and they don't want to be bothered, but we were all just talking and, and she said, Hey, uh, Phil, she said, um, you know, what, what is, what is your, uh, what is your go-to? And I said, what do you, what do you mean go-to? She said, well, you know, on TikTok, they're asking this question. What is your go-to? Like, when you go to Starbucks, like, what is your go-to drink? I was like, oh, okay. That's, that's very simple. I like a vanilla latte, extra shot of vanilla. That, that's me. And then she said, okay, well, what, what is your go-to when, like, when you go to Disneyland? What, what is your go-to ride? And I was like, and my family always laughs at me. I don't have a go-to ride. I actually have a go-to performance. I love the, 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 the live Frozen performance at Disney. I will go and sit in that theater and I'll watch it four times. I love the production. I love them singing. I love how they do that. I just, that, that's, that's, that's my, that's my go-to, right? But what preparing for this series, I will tell you this, it was a little more time consuming only because there's, there's, there's so much material like who in the Bible did not go through hard times. Like who, who in the Bible? I mean, think about Noah built a boat when he didn't even know what a boat was. Right. And then he didn't even know, they didn't even know what rain was. That man, that, that, that's really tough. Moses was leading like a million people out of, of, uh, of Egypt. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. You want to talk about hard times? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fire. David, his own brothers didn't like him. His own king tried to kill him. Joseph, his brothers tried to kill him. They threw him in a pit. He was thrown in prison for a crime that he didn't commit. And then we think we have a bad day. They all went through hard times. Think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, being pregnant, right, before she's married. And people are like, hey, what's going on? She's like, well, it's the Holy Spirit. And like, yeah, right. And then their willingness to interrupt their own wedding, her, all the dreams of having a wedding being interrupted, right? And then actually having Jesus in a cave, right? And then having to move to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him. I mean, these were hard times, but my church family, that's why they are our heroes because they went through the hard times and they did all things through God who strengthened them. Can I hear a good amen today? And I'm going to tell you why they did it, because a common thread, their go-to and their default was prayer. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. He walked with God, and as he was walking with God, God gave him uh, the specifics on how to build a boat that would save his whole family. The Bible says that Daniel prayed three times a day, right? And this is why they are our heroes. And can I just encourage us, my church family, all of them, when I was reading about our heroes, the patriarchs of our faith, you know what I was thinking about? And here we are in 2020, and now they are passing the baton to you and I. Daniel saying, now it's your turn, right? Peter is saying, now it's your turn. Paul is saying, now it's your turn. We're passing the baton on to you to move the kingdom forward. As I was reading this and thinking about this, I thought, wow, it's a huge responsibility because we will go through hard times, but we will not go through them alone. And we will come through because the kingdom of God is going to advance. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the early church, their leader is put in jail. And you know what? Because of their prayers, because of their prayers, heaven assigned an angel to come and deliver Peter. I, I, I just love that. Now I want to tell you something. God did not deliver Peter because he was a disciple of Jesus. 
God did not deliver Peter because he was an apostle. God did not deliver Peter because he was the only one to walk on water. God delivered Peter because the church prayed for him. I want to say that again. The reason why God delivered Peter was because the church started praying for him. And so here's what I want to do, because I believe that we need to change our perspective about prayer. So I want to give us three uh, ways that our prayers can set prisoners free. But I also want to talk about three things that I see God doing in all of this. And I believe it's going to bless you. Here's here's number one. If we're going to see prisoners set free by prayer, we've got to understand that prayer is God's invitation for us to ask. It's God's invitation for us to ask. You know, sometimes we can feel like God's too busy for us. Why pray? It doesn't matter. He's not concerned with what I'm concerned about. You know what? If you're concerned about it, he's concerned about it. Yeah. If you're concerned, he's concerned. And here's what he says to us. He says, I want you to come and ask. My church family, this gathering of believers initiated the miracle for Peter to break out of prison. Do you remember last week I asked you who initiated the miracle with Paul and Silas in prison? And some people said God. It wasn't God. Peter and Paul and Silas were the ones that initiated the miracle by praising God. You can initiate a miracle by praying and praising God. Can I hear a good amen? And so they initiated this by praying. But listen, it's important to note that the church did pray. They did pray. They didn't just saying, they just didn't send and text prayer emoji. Come on. Peter's in prison. Prayer emoji. I'm praying. Okay, that, that, that's good. Cool. They didn't just start a hashtag. Hashtag free Peter from prison. Hashtag prison breaker prayers. They're happening. No, no, no. They didn't just start a hashtag. You know what they did? They actually did something. They actually prayed together. And I hear people say all the time, you know, I, you know, I, why, why pray? If God's going to do it, God's going to do it. Oh, really? Because I wonder if Paul and Silas didn't praise if they would have broken out of the prison. I wonder if the church didn't gather together and pray if Peter would have lost his life because he was actually the next day they were going to put him up for execution. But the church, but the church prayed. Come on, somebody. And so we can't just sit back and go, well, you know, if God's going to do it. No, God says, here was what I want you to do. I want you to come before me and I want you to ask. You know, if you've ever read the story in Genesis chapter 18, this is Old Testament about Sodom and Gomorrah. God was going to destroy. It was evil. I mean, it was just evil. You know, it's really evil when God sends angels. You know, the Bible says the angels can take on human form. When God sends angels into the city and people are like, hey, man, you're looking good, right? You be my baby daddy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, God sends the angels and people are hitting on the angels. It's pretty, it, it, it's, it's pretty wicked. But watch this. The Bible says Abraham pleaded with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. He said this. He said, God, God, listen, if we find 50 righteous people, 50 righteous people, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And you know what God said? Abraham Since you're asking me, if we can find 50 people, 50 righteous people, guess what? I will not, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, they couldn't find 50 righteous people. So Abraham came back and he's asking God. Here's what he says. God, if we find 45 righteous people, please don't destroy. You know what God says? God says, Abraham, if we find 45 righteous people, I will not destroy And guess what? They couldn't find 45 righteous people. And they go down to 20 and to the point where God's Abraham says, God, if we find 10, if we can just find 10 righteous people, will you not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? And you know what God says? I won't destroy it. See, here's what I ask myself. Why did Abraham stop asking? Why didn't Abraham say, God, just save them? God, but you know what? He stopped asking. That's pretty powerful. See, sometimes I think what happens too is we think, well, God already knows what I need. Why doesn't he just supply? Well, I'm going to tell you why. I think he does. He, he tells us to ask because he wants a relationship with you. 
Yeah, the Bible says that there's times where he will do more than we even ask, but we have to ask. Matthew chapter six, verse eight. For your father knows the things you have before you ask them. Of course he does. He's God. He should know, right? But then he says this, you have not because you ask not. I wonder what things in our lives today we're living without because we simply have not asked God. We simply have not asked God. He says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door shall be open. You know, it's funny because sometimes even Jesus would walk up to a person who was blind and Jesus would say these words. What do you want me to do for you? Well, he could say, you know, the blind person is going to say, well, heal, heal my grandmother. She's sick. Okay. But prayer is our invitation to ask. See, God's inviting us to ask. And I'm going to tell you why he's inviting us to ask. He's inviting us to ask because asking is a form of praise. Watch this, right? If I go up to Tom here, who's doing the camera today, and I say, Tom, man, I need to borrow a million bucks, man. I need to borrow a million bucks. Number one, what am I saying? I'm saying Tom has a million bucks. I believe Tom has a million bucks for me to borrow. And you know what it is? It's actually, it's actually a form of praise. See, when you're coming to God and say, God, I need you to heal me. You are praising him because you're saying, God, you are the healer. Come on, somebody. Because you wouldn't be asking if you did not believe that he had what you believe he has. Right? And I wonder today what we're living without because we just simply haven't asked God. Listen, if you're single and you're ready to mingle, hey, start asking God. Let me ask you this. Do you want to get married again? Well, Pastor Phil, yeah, you know, I, I would. Okay, well, let's start asking God. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of shy. Well, you know what? God knows what you have need of. My wife had a list of 60 things that she was looking for before she got married. 60 things. I like that, though, because you know what? She knew what she wanted. And praise God, I was all of those 60 things. Come on, somebody. Woo, God did a miracle. I only had five. And my first one was, God, I want her to love you more than she loves me. Because if she loves you more than she loves me, we'll be able to stay together. Because the times that she doesn't love, like, you know, that love is just like fading away. As long as she loves you, we'll do good. You're right? And then I wanted her, her to be kind. I wanted a kind girl. Because I dated a lot of girls that were just like, <laughs> I didn't want that. You know? I just wanted a kind girl. And the last three had to do with her physical, her physical body that I cannot share with you today. Because we are in church. But God, I can tell you that, come on, is this too real for you? Everybody's smiling. And then you're like, because some of you are like, Lord, I just want somebody. Oh, anybody. Right. And then, and then the, the, you know, the guy shows up to exterminate your house and then you start and you're like, that's not really, well, you just said anybody. You, you said it, you said anybody, but you know what I found? Specific prayers get specific answers. And God wants us to ask he wants us to ask. And here's the great thing. Are you ready? I want to blow your mind today because I've read these scriptures and it just blew my mind. Are you ready? He says, God says, you can ask anything as long as it's according to my will. Anything. Look, first John chapter five, verse 14. Now this is the confidence. So we come before him confidently. Why? Because he's telling us to ask. So we come before him confidently. Watch this. And it says that we have the confidence that we have in him, that we can ask anything. Would you say that with me? Say anything anything, that we would ask anything, as long as it's according to his will. He hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. So how do I know that I'm praying God's will? Well, his will is his word. So when I pray, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray God's promises. Did you know there's 8,000 promises, over 8,000 promises in his word that we and I, you and I can pray? And again, I want to say today, I wonder what we're living without just simply because we have not asked God or we don't know his will. And my church family, I believe that if we pray God's promises over people, prison doors can be open. Prison in your own life can be open. Are you glad you came to church today? Here's, 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 here's what I believe. Here's a second way that I believe prayers can set people free is if, number two, if we believe that we receive when we pray. You know, Mark chapter 11, verse 24 says this. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask, listen to these words, ask anything, ask whatever you ask, according to my will. How many of you know, faith has a big ask? A-S-K, right? A big ask. He said, ask whatever, 
Ask whatever, as long as it's according to my, ask anything. Look, look at what he says. He says, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive and it will be yours. Now it's easy to believe in prayer when you get your prayers answered, right? Now we should get, throw up a praise when we get our, 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 our prayers answered. But a lot of times Jesus gave thanks even before the miracle, right? I, I wrote a whole book on that. The power of thank you, the key to finding joy again. There were times that Jesus would stop back and give a praise and give a thanks before the miracle actually happened. And so here's what he's saying. When you pray, you believe that you receive. So when do you receive it? You receive it when you pray. So, and how do I know that I'm receiving it? Because I'm believing that God has it and I'm putting up the petition. And even though it hasn't materialized in the physical world, it can materialize in the heavenlies. Do you remember that Daniel, when he was praying, the angel came down and said, hey, listen, I had the answer. God heard you when you prayed. But in that 21 days, I was warring uh, to give you your answer. So you have to, can't, you can't get discouraged, right? When it's not happening, the Bible says that we receive God's promises through faith and patience. But here's the reality. Right when you pray, believe that you receive. My church family, we need to pray like we know and believe that God is listening. You've got to pray like you know he's listening. But this requires faith. But let me just remind you that faith believes before it sees. Because once you see it, you don't need faith for it. And here's the cool thing about this story I love. The church couldn't see what we see. We're seeing both perspectives. We're seeing them praying and we're seeing God dispatching an angel and going into the prison. They didn't see that. We get to see that. As a matter of fact, they're praying and they're just believing that God is working. That's all. But we have the unique opportunity and the perspective to be able to see, wow, they're praying. Wow, God is working. Can I just tell you, as you're praying, God is working. Let me just say that. Even though you may not be able to see it, but just continue to believe that as we pray according to his will, that he is working right now. And so, you know what? Waiting is not wasted time, but we have to understand and know that God is working. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the church was praying and they couldn't see, you know, I love this because the Bible says that they were praying fervently. One translation says constantly. That word in the Greek language means continual, intense, stretch out without ceasing. It actually, this represents not just quality, but quantity of prayer. I love that stretched out, right? It's an intense type of prayer. And so you can, you can tell when somebody believes what they pray by how they pray. You know why? There's a little confidence in there. There's a little oomph in their prayer. Mm. Gee, they, you can tell it's not like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray my, the Lord my soul to take. That's not like a prayer of faith, right? But you know when people are believing what they're praying because they're passionate. You know, they're passionate. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm just not into all that Pentecostal stuff. You know what? The reality is I pray passionately because I'm a believer and I believe what I pray. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? And so we have to see prayer in a different light. We have to see prayer as an invitation, not just an obligation. Well, I got to pray. No, God's inviting us into his presence. And he's like, come on, ask me. Come on, ask me. I can do far exceedingly above what you can even ask, think, or imagine. Come into my presence. He's always inviting us. He says, you know what? I stand at the door and I'm knocking and looking. If you will open up, I'm going to come in. I'm going to fellowship with you. He says, if you will draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. He says, come boldly into my presence. My church family, we've got to change our perspective on prayer because God is inviting us. He wants to answer prayers. Can I hear a good amen today? And here's what happens when you begin to pray and spend time in his presence, his character starts to be built in you. And the more you realize it, you'll realize how much God loves you. You'll realize how, how powerful and his power is in your life. And let me just say it this way. When you start spending time in his character, in his presence, his character is being in, 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 uh, it downloaded or, or built in you. But let me, let me say this. And so what happens is how many of you know, God loves people. Not only God, not only does God love you, but God loves people. And so when we're in prayer, you know, I always say this, a heart for God always translates in a heart for people. 
because God loves people. And this is what I love about this church. They, they loved God so much that they were willing to invest time because they also loved Peter. And that love for Peter came out of their love for God. See, when you truly love somebody, you'll pray for them. When you truly love them. See, oftentimes we say, Pastor Phil, you know, I just don't have patience for these people anymore. You know, I, I just don't know. I just can't. I just have a low tolerance for people. Well, that's probably been, that's probably because you haven't prayed in a while. I know that I'm more irritated with people when I don't spend time in his presence. But I want to tell you, that's not how God feels about people. That's how we feel about it when we're not in tapping in and connecting to his, his presence. And my church family, our love for God always translates into love for people. And so they passionately prayed for Peter because they loved him. And they loved him with a genuine, passionate love. And I'm believing that that love is going to come back into the church. But how does it come back into the church? When we pray, when you pray, when we pray collectively, corporately. Can I hear a good amen today? Here's number three. Our prayers can fill the gap. This is called intercession. What these, church, what these church people did is they started praying the prayer of intercession. In other words, I'm stepping in on somebody else's behalf because maybe that person doesn't know how to pray. Maybe that person's in the hospital and they can't pray. But you know what? Our prayer can fill the gap. What gap, Pastor Phil? The gap that where they are to currently where they need to be. There's a gap there. What needs to fill that gap? Our prayers. Our prayers can fill that gap. The gap between what has happened and what needs needs to happen. That gap, that the gap between the mess and the gap between the miracle, what can happen is our prayer. So we decide in that gap, we are going to stand in that gap and we are going to pray for them. Can I hear a good amen? You know, my wife, um, when she was pregnant with our son, uh, Gavin, it's an interesting story because we were just out eating, uh, chicken wings and we went home and I had a wedding to do that afternoon. This is when we lived in Texas. And so, uh, she had eaten and, uh, <laughs> and she just said, you know, my stomach's not feeling well. We, we ate. And I was like, well, we kind of ate the same thing. So I, I feel fine. And so she called, uh, uh, our nurse and our doctor, and they said, well, you know what? You need to just go uh, and go to the hospital and just get checked and make sure that you're not dehydrated so it doesn't affect this, our son. And so she said, all right. So little do we know, here comes a hardship, right? Here comes a hard time, right? And it, it, sometimes these things don't happen on days that you prefer them to happen. I had a, I had a wedding, and this wedding, you know, a wedding is, is like the, 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 the day that the couple dreams of. And my wife is going to the hospital, right? And I would have loved to have been there, but I had to make a decision. So, um, you know, am I going to, I said, okay, we're just going to believe for the best. Well, we went in there. She went into the hospital and they said, well, your blood pressure is through the roof and uh, we need to, you know, start getting you on uh, some IVs and, and all of these things. And little did we know that something was going to happen that, um, that, and they don't even know what it's called. It's called the help syndrome. And what's interesting is that, that they said, okay, we're going to try to have you have the baby naturally, but it wasn't working. And they said that this help syndrome from what they understand starts to eat your, your platelets in your blood. So that means that, um, you, you, you wouldn't stop bleeding. So if she, they wanted to have it naturally because they didn't want her to bleed with a C-section. And so they said, well, she's not, we, we, we've induced labor and it's just not happening all this time. I'm at a wedding and I'm hearing this. I'm like, you need to come to the hospital now. So ran to the hospital. They did do a C-section. They just said, you just need to know that, um, she could bleed to death giving birth to your son. You just need to know that. And so she goes into this room. They didn't let me go. She had a C-section. They cut my son out, right? And I'm just waiting there. And I'm standing in the gap because she's under anesthesia. I'm standing in the gap for her. And all of a sudden on this cart comes this little purple baby. And I'm looking at it. I didn't even know if it was our, our baby. I was like, is that mine? And they're like, yeah, this is your son. I was like, Wow, I gave, we gave birth to a Smurf. He's like, I was like, he had this little old ghetto, like, like beanie on, and he's they're like wheeling him. And, uh, and I was like, well, my son is alive, but my, my wife is still not in the clear. And I remember they're bringing her out, and they said, this is because last about six weeks, she could have a stroke because of what's going on. But they couldn't stop her from bleeding. They had to bring in platelets and all of these things. And here's what I'm telling you, my church family. Here's what we did. We stood in the gap. When she wasn't able to be able to pray herself, our church and myself, we stood in the gap and we began to pray. Come on, because here's what happens. Prayer alters outcomes. Prayer alters outcomes. 
And prayer will not only change situations. Obviously, you know, she's alive. My son is healthy. And we attest that to the glory of God. But we stood in the gap. And prayer will not only change situations. It'll not only change circumstances. It'll change you. Because you get to see the power of God in action. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says this, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Look at verse 2. For kings and all those in authority that we have live peacefully, that we can live, may live peacefully and quietly, quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. You know, Jesus said in this world, you're going to have trouble. But look what 1 Timothy 2 says that if we'll pray with intercession, we can actually live peaceable and quiet lives. Why? Because we are people of prayer. Can I hear a good amen today? In my church family, God was working in the prison of Peter's life because a church was praying. Now that may not mean a lot, but I want to tell you this. The church was going up against the Roman Empire. It was the most powerful uh, nation on the earth. But yet this church would set, their prayers would set Peter free. In the spirit, this tiny little church going up against an empire was more powerful than, than the empire itself. Because our prayers matter. In the spirit realm, they were more powerful. They were more powerful and I love this praying church. And let me just tell you this, because I think this is where we are today. I think a lot of us would say, man, Pastor Phil, this would be awesome, man. I wish I had a praying church like that. Man, I'd love to be a part of a praying church. Okay, but are you willing to show up to prayer meeting? Because here's what I found in years of being as a minister for 25 years, a lot of people want the rewards, but they don't want the responsibility. They want a lot of things, but they're not willing to show up. Can I hear a good amen today? Think about this. Somebody hears about your problem and then all of a sudden people just start praying because they love you and they're connected to you. Everybody would like to be have a friend like that. But my question is, is who's going to be a friend like that? Because my church family, we are the church. Can I hear a good amen? And the baton has been passed to us now. Oh, Pastor Phil, I would love to be a part of a community like that where everybody's committed to each other. I'd love to be a part of a church like that where people are committed to each other. Okay, yeah, really? When was the last time you showed up to church? When was the last time you showed up to church for more than three weeks in a row, but you want to be a part of a committed church? Don't shout me down because I'm talking about you. I hear this all the time. Oh, man, I'd love for that. Man, I'd love for the worship team to do this. Okay, you want to be a part of the worship team? No. Oh, man, I'd love for the kids' ministry to be amazing. Why don't you come help us with the kids' ministry? No, I can't help. I'm just too busy. I'm this. But yeah, I know you want it. But here's the, the question. Are you willing to show up and make it happen? These people got together and they prayed and their prayers changed people's lives, changed situations for people. Miracles happened. It wasn't just this, the, uh, the, um, this, this, this idea of, oh, this would be good. They actually showed up. And I'm going to tell you something, my church family. Part of going through and getting through hard things is showing up. Is showing up. I talk to people all the time. 25 years of ministry. I'll see them. I'll see them in in grocery stores. Hey, man, how you been? Oh, I said, I haven't seen you in church in a while. Like, what's going on? I don't know. Seriously, that's that's, like, where, where you been? I don't know. You don't know? Like, weeks are passing by. See, I show up to church, not because I'm a pastor. I show up to church because I'm a Christian. And you know what? I'm committed to church because I know the power of a committed church. So when people call us and they're like, hey, you know what? We're having a baby shower. Okay, when is it? 10 o'clock on on, on Sunday, you know, Aunt Martha or, or whatever. Okay, that's great. We'd love to come. But, you know, we go to church. And so we'll be there afterwards. Oh, you guys go to church? And next week, you know, your niece is having a birthday party and, and this and all that. And okay, what time? It's Sunday. I'm sorry, we, we go to church. And you may think, well, man, that, that's weird. Oh, is it weird? Because when they start looking at your life and they go, man, in the hard times, you're making it through. God's doing miracles. Then you know what they're going to start to do? Maybe it's because you go to church. And maybe they will start joining you at church. 
But I'm just telling you, Passion Life Church, everybody wants this kind of church. But here's the question. Are we willing to be this kind of church? You know what I've found? A lot of people are waiting for other people to do what they are unwilling to do. Well, how come he doesn't? I thought he was going to do I thought he was going to serve. Yeah, you know what? And you know what he's thinking? He's thinking you're going to serve. But what if we all said, this is my church. This is where we go. We're the people of God. The baton has been handed to us. And we're going to be the kind of church that's going to change a community, change a nation. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? Let's be the church. Let's not just talk about that. But here's the good news. I want to encourage you. God doesn't need everybody. He just needs somebody. He just needs a couple of of people, the people in this house, right? The people that came together and the people of Passion Life Church that we are committed. Just let you know, for those of you that are kind of like on the fringe, I want to let you know we're interceding for you. We're praying for you. We're praying that God will light a fire back in your heart, that you get up and it's time to be part of the church, a growing church. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen? A church that's moving in power. And a majority of doing hard things is you got to show up got to show up. But here's what happens. And I want to end with this today. It's interesting because God opens three doors for Peter. And I believe as I was ending this, I believe God showed me something and I believe it's going to, it's going to bless you. Peter is asleep. 16 guards around him. He's asleep. And you know what happens? Angel nudges him, Peter, get up. I don't know why Peter was asleep. Maybe he was exhausted emotionally. He was tired. The next day he was going to to die, right? Maybe he was just depleted. Maybe he was just sleeping because that's what he saw Jesus do in the boat. But can I just tell you, the angel nudges him and says, get up. So I, I want to encourage us because as we pray for people and intercede for people, there is a part that they play in, obe- in obeying God because Peter had to get up. Can I hear it? Can, I, can you say get up, get up with me for a second? Say get up. It's time for us to get up from our sleep. Listen, listen, my church family. You go, Pastor Phil, you're preaching hard. I don't usually preach this hard, but it has to do with the series. I can do hard things. So I think I can talk a little bit of hard in, in a little bit of hardness today in love. But let me just encourage us. 2020 is over and we're going into 2021 and it's time. We're seven months into 2021. It's time to get up from our sleep. I know a lot of things have happened, but it's time to get up my church family. It's time to start moving. But watch this. The angel God opens, number one, the prison door. The prison door. Let me tell you what doors mean. Doors represent access. Doors represent gates. Gates and doors represent access. The prison doors were open. Man, I believe in this season, God is going to open new doors for you. Come on, say this. Say, God is opening new doors for me. Come on, say it one more time. God is opening new doors for me. And I believe that every single prison that the enemy tries to lock you up in, God is going to open doors for you to exit. Say that with me again. Say, God is opening new doors for me. And here's what the prison door represents. It's actually you coming out, right? It's coming out. It represents deliverance. It represents access to freedom, right? Doors represent access. And so God is going to give you an access to freedom like you've never had before. Out with the old and into the new. And I'm believing, even though 2020 may be hard, getting we're getting going, you will experience supernatural freedom. Because here's, here's the great news. God never just brings you out of something unless he's going to bring you into something. And so God brings us out so he can bring us in. Remember the children of Israel? He said, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt. Why? Because I have a promised land. I want to bring you into something. Look at the scripture. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 23 says this, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. Notice this. I'm not just running from sin. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying, pursue righteousness. It's not just about coming out. It's about going in. So if you'll pursue righteousness, what'll happen is you'll flee 
you'll flee sin anyway. But the question is, I have people, and I talk to people all the time, they're like, well, man, I'm just running away. I'm running away from, from this. I'm trying to run away from this. Yeah, but where are you going? Because the truth is God brings us out of the prison to bring us back into his purposes. Let me say that again. God brings us out of the prison. Why? To bring us into his purposes. And yes, there's an act of obedience on our part. But the angel said, get up. Let's go. It's time to go. Let's go. And God opened the prison doors. Here's the second door. He opened the gate to the city. Listen, if you have a business, if you're a business person, I want you to hear this today. Nothing in the, in the Bible is insignificant. He walked through the, the gate of the city. The Bible says it was open supernaturally. Can I just tell you what this, this gate represents for all of us business owners? And I have a heart for business owners. Listen, the gate of the city is where the influential people did their business. It was where a lot of the trade and the business transactions happened. It was a place where the kings gave their decree. It was the place where the armies were commanded for war. It was an important governmental and societal business uh, things took place. In essence, the city gate was the town square of cultural uh, of the culture in biblical times. Do you remember in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 23, it says this, her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. In other words, all of the influential people and businesses were happening at the gate of the city and God opened that up for Peter. And I'm just speaking prophetically for a moment for all of our business owners. I felt this so strongly. I really believe that God is going to give you access to transactions that you've never had access to before. That God is opening up that gate, that door for more influence, for more favor. Can I hear a good amen today? And I really believe even the doors that had been closed before in our lives, God is opening them up. Come on, just receive this this morning. This is God. God going before you. This is more than just your cute little sales pitch that you're, I'm talking about God going before you and his favor being upon you and opening up doors. Receive that today. And here's the last one. He got to the house. It's interesting. Peter didn't even really know what's going on. He thought he was having a dream, a vision. But then the Bible says when he came to himself, he comes back to the house and he starts knocking. Here's the third door. The door to the house. You know, the church was gathered in a home. And this represents our families. It represents relationships. Families represent relationships. And I believe that that door to the house being opened represents to us, not just any relationships, but I believe that God is going to start giving us access, more access to ordained relationships by him. Ordained relationships. That would be like family to you. Let me just say it this way. The people in that house were going to help Peter and ensure the future and the purposes that God had for Peter. And here's what I'm praying for you. That God's going to open doors and relationships for people that are going to help you to get to your future. Can I hear a good amen today? Not just anybody, but relationships that are going to help you accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. That's what these people were to Peter. And God opened that door. And so in the midst of hard times, God was setting people free and opening doors. You know, the Bible says that in the midst of tough times, evil times, there's opportunity. And I'm telling you, my church family, we've got to get up and we need to start to walk through the doors that God is starting to opening. And God is setting people free. People are getting up. And God is moving in our lives. And he will continue. There's not a hard time that God can't get you through. There's not a circumstance that's big enough that your God can't see you through. There's not a mountain that's big enough that you cannot remove by speaking to that mountain. In Jesus' name, the Bible says, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Come on, would you stand this morning? Do you receive that this morning? Do you receive this word? I want to pray for you this morning. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? 
I don't know what door you need to be open today. I don't know if it's the prison door. I don't know if it's the door to the city and, and your business and or maybe it's just more relationships, but whatever that is, just as a sign that today you receive that, we just lift your hands and say, God, right now I receive access. Lord, you're open. You're giving me access. I'm coming through the prison door. No addiction will hold me back. No circumstances, even if it's 16 that are around me, like the 16 soldiers today, I'm free. And who the sum set free is free indeed. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for every business owner who's launched out into the deep, Father, who's making decisions. Father, I pray that you continue to open these doors for, for, for influence and favor, Lord God, to transactions that they in themselves would not have come to if it were not for you. Lord, I pray that together we are in agreement. And Lord, I pray today for some people who are waiting on relationships. They know that they need the right relationships. They need to move away from some of the relationships that are holding them back. But I pray, Lord, that you would help them to be at the right place at the right time. With every head bowed and every eye closed. We never like to close a church service without giving people the opportunity to know this amazing God, to know this amazing Jesus that we know. You know what? He'll come inside our heart. He'll forgive us of our sins if we'll just ask. It's an invitation. He says, I'll come in if you'll open the door. Have you ever asked Jesus to come inside your heart? Do you know that today, if you were to die, that you would be able to stand before the holy God? Today you can by your faith. By t- today, asking God in faith, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Come inside my heart. I want to pray that today. If you've never asked Jesus to come inside your heart, let's pray this. And I want everybody online and today right here in, in the in-person services, would you just repeat after me and say this, say, Father God, come on, say it loud, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I ask you, come inside my heart and live through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, we'd like to know that you prayed it. Would you just simply take out your smartphone and text the word believe to 951-382-5757. I want Passion Life Church to be known as a house of praise, but we need to be known as a house of prayer as well. In my church family, I know that there's a lot of people out and on vacation. I understand that. But as we get back into the rhythm, we're going to be a house of praise. We're going to be a house of prayer. Can I hear a good amen? We're going to be a house of a church that comes together and sees prison doors open in Jesus' name. One last thing. Everybody say next week. Next week is baptism. And let's show up big because we got some families that are going to be baptized. Let's cheer them on and let's be the kind of church we want to see in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.